Did you know that there are people who want you to be discontent? And when I say that, some of you are thinking, yeah, you saw my kids on the way to church this morning, right? Well, not those people, okay? Sometimes it feels like they do, but there are people around us who want us to be discontent. Why? Because if we're discontent with something in our lives, then we're going to buy something to make us feel better, right? I mean, if we're unhappy because we don't have the right clothes, then buy more clothes. We need a new house, car, all those things. If they can make us feel just a little discontent with what we have, then they can sell us something that we believe will make us content. Today we're going to start a new series that's called Discontent, and we're going to think a little bit about that. But on the terms of marketing and making us discontent, I'd like to show you a little video. It's sort of an extended version of a commercial that you might have seen and maybe one you enjoy, but while it celebrates contentment in one way, it also reminds us that there's probably something we're missing, a product that might make us feel just a little bit better. Let's watch this video. When seemingly ordinary everyday acts have extraordinary impact, that's the everyday effect. We set out across the world to prove it. Here's the real story of Lee and Morty, a 90-year-old couple in Valley Stream, New York. We all lived happily ever after. I have to tell you, that's the beginning and end of the story. My name is Lee Kaufman. I'm 90 years old, married to Morty Kaufman. I'm also 90. I'm older than my young bride here by about four months. They're the couple everybody wants to be. And that's really them. The greatest thing about them is how much they still adore each other. Six children, 44 years, and no complaints. What else can I say? It's been a happy union. One of the only things that's changed is they don't entertain as much as they used to. It's important to mom to have the house clean, and it's really too much to okay. use as an old-fashioned mop and bucket, which no one can pick up. Very, very heavy. I'm not big enough or strong enough for this. I don't do any cleaning. I make dirt. She's tiny, so she drags this ridiculous, rickety old step stool that can't hold any weight, and my father's a nervous wreck. Be careful, babe. I know. Watch out when you step up. That's your line. Be careful. Okay. It's dangerous. Open it up and see what's cooking in it. Thank you. <gasps> Lovely products that are all in this box. Look at this, it's got a handle on it. Straighten that out. That's for reaching higher places. A wet jet. What is this? It's easier and faster to use. It goes under all the way to the back wall. So I know that I'm really making the floor as clean as it could possibly be. I came in under the assumption that it was clean. I've been living in a fool's paradise. Look at this, I don't have to climb up. And not only that, it's adjustable. It has truthfully never been as clean as it is now up there. Morty, are you listening? I was so happy to see them happy. Thank you, dear. She loved the way the house looked. She was entertaining, it was kind of like a little bit of the old days, where she felt great about the house. It was really terrific. Keep the love light burning in your eyes so blue. Let me 
me call you sweetheart I'm in love with you Me too So you see, those everyday things you do can have surprising impact Maybe more than you realize That's the power of the everyday effect Proctor and Gamble Nice to sit here and sing to you like that. Nice to be sung to. <laughs> well, we all want to be them, right? I mean, we could watch them all day. We love that. And yet, it's, it's an interesting thing between, wow, what a great couple and how happy they are with their life's just a little bit better now that they have a Swiffer, right? I mean, and it could be you too. And there's that one moment when she realizes she's living in a fool's paradise when she thought her house was clean and it really wasn't. And that might be your house, you know? If you just had this product, things would be a little better. It's easy to fall into that trap of thinking, well, my life is not <clears throat> as perfect as I want it to be and it could be better and so we find ourselves discontent now we're going to think about what that looks like in our lives and how we can find contentment in our lives in lots of different areas we're going to think about our stuff we're going to think about our job but today we're especially going to think about our families now most of us come here today we have family that we love people that we care about maybe they're right there beside you or in the building somewhere people that are important to you but sometimes it's easy to be discontent even with our families and it's because we look around and somehow think man this this other family they've got it together and something here it is something is wrong with us there's something wrong with us that we're not getting it right like these other people are you know we went through a time as a family as perfect as we are we went through a time as a family where like we could not eat a meal together you know in America we paint mealtime as this special you know uh, like holy time where the family gathers and they speak in a quiet voice and share insights that they've learned from their day right and like we couldn't get the food on our plates before it was we were at each other I mean it was like I dreaded sitting down to a meal Thankfully, that time has passed, but in the middle of that, I think, what is wrong with us? I mean, don't normal people, aren't they able to sit down and share a meal? And there's something wrong with us because we can't do that. And maybe, maybe you know something of what that's like. I mean, there's one of those moments in your day when you go, we can't get everybody dressed and in the car and on the way to school, or we can't get everybody in bed, or we can't, whatever it is for you. Maybe it's on the way to church. You, something happens, and that's the explosive time, and it feels like, man, there must be something wrong with us. And then we feel a little discontent. And here's the thing. That experience which I think probably all of us go through at one time or another, is just a step away from, well, I wish we could be like this family. I wish we could be like that. I bet they don't fight at the dinner table. I wish we could be like that family. I bet like they pray on the way to church every Sunday, okay? And we're like frazzled, okay? We can't even get there. I wish we could be like them. Our family would be better if we were more like them. I wish our family was different. And that's one step away from, I wish I had a family 
like that. I wish I was in that family because they seem so much happier than the family I'm in. You see how we've made ourselves discontent. It's not that hard to get there. Maybe we ignore some stuff. Maybe we ignore our role in that, you know, sort sort of it's everybody else's fault. Man, if everybody else was as nice and kind as I am, then our family would be happy. There's lots of things we miss there. But we find ourselves being discontent with the family in which we live. Now, how do we overcome that? How do we get past that so that we can find contentment? I want us to turn to some scriptural help today, and most of what we're going to look at is in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is this great Old Testament book that gives us wisdom for living a godly life, okay? And they lived in a world in which, man, there was lots of things at work, lots of cultural forces and outside cultural forces that were affecting the people of Israel, God's people, And Proverbs was designed to bring them back to God's way of living in very practical terms. So I want us to look there, and then we'll turn back to a psalm to finish up this morning. But right now I want us to begin uh, Proverbs chapter 5, okay? Think a little bit about marriage and finding contentment in marriage in this passage. And this is one of those passages that makes us a little uncomfortable, honestly, because sometimes the Bible is right where we are. And the language that's used there, maybe we don't want to talk about in church, but here it is. Proverbs 5.18 says, May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may your breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines your path. What's the writer saying? He's saying, listen, be satisfied in the marriage you have. Be satisfied in this marriage. You could probably look out there and say, man, he or she seems nicer, he or she is better looking. You could come up with all sorts of things that would be better about a different person. But here's the thing, you chose this person. And the minute we start saying, wow, that couple seems happier, that couple seems better, I wish I was, then we're in that discontent. And the writer of Proverbs is saying, listen, be satisfied with the spouse you chose. And I don't think this applies just to men. I think it applies to both, that we've chosen this marriage, and it's our decision. Are we going to choose satisfaction, contentment, or are we going to look around and say, wow, it would be better if things were different? Turn over to... Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, thinking about marriage still. Lots of jokes in our culture about marriage and the difference between men and women and how unhappy marriage can be, but this passage reminds us that what we think about marriage matters. Verse 22 says, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Marriage is a gift from God. God designed us for marriage. And we're called to have this great gift, and it's up to us to see it as a gift. We can see it as, man, a burden. We can see it as something we just got to get through, or we can approach it as a gift. Which way are we going to look at it? Are we going to find contentment there or not? And then Proverbs 31. In some ways, uh, this chapter is a challenge for a lot of women who read it because it's this sort of an ideal woman. This is what a woman who follows God looks like, and some women read through this and go, man, I can never do that. Too much pressure, all right? But I think, actually, in some ways, it's a beautiful picture because 
There's some responsibilities, not just for our wife and mother, but for the rest of the family and how we work together in a family. It begins with this in verse 10, a wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. When we think about what we're looking for in the spouse, is noble character what comes to mind? Is that at the top of the list? The Proverbs is sort of reminding us, and we've looked at a couple others like this in the past, reminding us that a lot of the things that we pursue in a spouse are all well and good unless you have to actually live with that person, okay? But if you choose someone with noble character, a husband or a wife, you're beginning a marriage that can last a lifetime, a marriage that's on the right foundation noble character. And then how do we respond to that person? Verse 11, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. That's how he responds to that. He's got what he needs in this woman, this woman that he chose of noble character, okay? He doesn't need anything else. He doesn't need another person. He needs the person that he chose. And then the response of the family down in verse 28 her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Let's have a show of hands for all the women who have, their children have arisen this morning and called them blessed, right? Probably didn't happen at your house, okay? I left before my kids woke up, but I bet it didn't happen at my house either, right? So there's responsibilities all the way around the family. Sometimes we forget that, right? That we, we have parents, we have spouses that do all kinds of stuff for us, and because it happens every day, it becomes so routine, we don't say anything about it. We don't rise up and call our spouse or our parent blessed, or our kid. Maybe that's not the language we would even use, and that's okay. But the point is, what does our language look like when we're talking with and about our spouses, our parents, our children, how we talk about them phrases how we think about them and what they think we feel about them. Okay? We assume they know. Well, the truth is they may not know. We need to say something. And then let's turn over to one more passage, Psalm 127. And we looked at this one not that long ago in a message. But it really talks about how we see our children. Verse 3 of Psalm 127 says, Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Is that the way you've thought of your kids lately? Maybe you've thought about all oh, the struggles. Maybe you've thought about, man, they're fighting. They can't get along. And I can't get them to do their homework. And they won't go to bed. And all this stuff that can frustrate us. But the psalmist is reminding us, this is a blessing from God. And it might just be that you prayed for this, you asked for this, and now that you've got it, what you're noticing is the things that bother you about it. Psalmist is saying it matters how you think about this. It matters how you phrase this with them and with God. If we take these lessons that we see here in Proverbs and Psalms, and we could look at other places in Scripture, I think the teaching for us is to value the family you have not the one you don't, right? Value the family you have, not the one you don't. It's really easy to look around and say, they've got it together. Their family's happier. That marriage seems perfect. 
My family's not. But you know what? This is the family you have. And comparing it to another family doesn't help anything. Wishing you were a part of a different family doesn't help anything. Wishing you were in a marriage relationship with someone else doesn't help anything. It only leads to discontentment. And everything in these passages that we've read this morning are all about finding contentment in what God has already given you. And so, so how do we put this to work? And I think the answer is, it's a lot about what we say. <clears throat> what we do certainly matters too, but this is a lot about what we say. What we say to ourselves, what we say to our family, and what we say to God. Because when, when we talk about, when we think about what we're saying in our own heads, you know, are we continually comparing? The truth is we miss stuff there because we assume, man, this family looks awesome. It looks like they always get along, but we don't see what goes on at the dinner table there. We don't see what it was like on the way to church this morning. We won't see what it's going to be like tomorrow morning in the car on the way to school or work. We don't see any of that, and it looks perfect on the outside, but you know what? It may not be as perfect as we think. And so we're comparing ourselves to something that may not even exist. So that's this internal talk. You know, we could bring up some exceptions to a lot of this. If there's abuse in a family, things like that. We've discussed that recently, but that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, if you're in the middle of abuse, you need some help, you need to, to get away from that, that's one thing. I think I'm talking to the majority of us who aren't in that situation and have families that may be awesome, but are not perfect. And none of them are, because we're all sinners. Because we mess up and we say stuff we wish we hadn't said and we do things that we look back on and wish we could take back, and we're part of a family. And so it matters how we look at our family, it matters how we compare ourselves to others, it matters how we talk to God, right? Because are we saying to God, this family that you've given me, my spouse, my children, my parents, they are a blessing to me. Maybe you prayed for a spouse. Maybe you prayed a long time for a spouse. And then it wasn't always cracked up to be. That person's still your spouse. Maybe it's a great marriage, but you have some moments when oh, it's not easy. Still a blessing from God. Have you thanked God for your spouse? And have you thanked God for your children? Because the way we talk to God helps frame how we think about our families. When we're thanking God for them being a blessing in our lives, that helps frame how we think about them. And when we speak to our families, what we say to our families, most of us are not going to rise up and call our mothers or our spouses blessed, okay? But we can say thanks. We can say thanks for what you've done. We can say that was an encouragement. We can say I love you. We can say I appreciate that. We can say let me help you. We can't, you fill in the blank, you know where your family is. What is it that you need to say to your spouse, your parents, your kids? To let them know that they really are a blessing because again, how we speak to our families, about our families to God, about our families to ourselves, and to our families, frames how we think and how they understand our feelings. 
came with our kids, is it just constant correction or is there ever any encouragement? With our spouse, are we just sort of expecting them to do what they always do, or do we ever thank them for doing any of that? Do we ever say, and this shows me that you love me, and I appreciate that. It's so easy not to do all that, because life's busy. Because maybe it even feels a little awkward. But Scripture here is telling us that one of the ways that we show value in the family that we have versus some idealized family that we don't have is to speak of that value to ourselves, to God, and to them. So take those steps. It's a choice to make. I mean, this, this, what this, this series is going to be all about is this is a choice. How do we look at our lives? We can find all sorts of ways to be discontent. Or we can make the choice to find satisfaction value, and contentment in what God has already given us. Let's pray together. God, I'm thankful for every family that's part of this church. I, I know, we know that you love each one, each parent, each child, each spouse. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for the families that are represented here today. And God, we ask that you would bless our families, make us whole, Help us to, to find contentment in what you've given us. God, lead us to forgive where it, needs to, where it needs to happen. Lead us to show love. Lead us to show satisfaction and value in, in the people who surround us. God, bless our families and help us to be content in them. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we've been invited into the family of God. It's, it's a great invitation that each one of us has been given because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was raised to offer us eternal life. And one of the ways that we accept this gift of being invited into God's family is to put our faith in Him and repent of our sins, and we are all sinners. There's none of us who escape that. And then to be baptized, to be immersed into Christ. And if you've made that decision, we want to talk with you about that. Or maybe you've made the decision, you're already a baptized believer and you want to be a member of this church and serve with us. We'd like to talk with you about that as well. If, if you've made one of those decisions and would like to let us know this morning, we invite you to come during the song or you can talk with me after the service, but we'd just like to be with you on your next steps of faith. Let us know. Come forward as we sing our invitation.